0: Okay, we're on Einstein with base 78B and we're finishing our the next uh, starting today the last last chapter. It's really yeah. Uh is it the last chapter? Yeah, the last chapter. How do you like that? Okay. Which is is really uh Nadorum is not an easy Mustafa by any means. So it's just uh to hang in there is really um questions so are any mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's a different question. Okay. So uh, we are two lines from the bottom on 78B. And uh, we, um, we said a, a, a startling concept that until now we never even considered. And along came Rabbi Hanina, and he shocked us with this statement. And uh, he shocked us with a quiet. Uh, and that is, we've always talked about having one day to nullify uh, the, uh, the wife's, uh, vow. Not only that, the Torah talks about it. It says on the day, you got to hurry up. And then he said, he said, sometimes, uh, you really don't like that vow, but you don't want to tell her right away. Uh, and, uh, for different reasons, Uh, the Ron, you know, they're different. You could guess why not. Sometimes, You'll get into trouble, and sometimes you wanted to see for herself that it wasn't a great idea. Whatever it was that she's promised, um, he says that uh, sometimes she would swear because she would rely on her husband to take it off, and you would very conveniently not take it off and let her sweat it out a little bit. But usually you only have till the end of the day, so that lesson isn't going to last very long. So Rakanina said you can go till ten days. Uh, and then nullify then, uh, uh, later. Now, the problem is that sometimes when you sit there quietly, you're approving her vow, because quiet, shtika kahodah, that means you're okay with it. So, uh, what we learned yesterday was there's three kinds of quiet. There's a quiet because you agree, that's why you're quiet, you didn't speak up, because you're okay with it. There's a quiet that you disagree and perhaps you're waiting for the right moment to express that. And then there's a third quiet where you're not sure yet. So uh, the question is, is that really true that you could be quiet and speak up later? Now, we, uh, the Mephoshim really talk about this. How how can you be quiet and speak up later? The Torah says you got to speak up right away. So some learn that in your heart, you've nullified it immediately. And we've had that view that it could be, you could revoke something in your heart. So immediately you revoke it today. So you're quiet. It doesn't mean that you're really quiet. You're quiet, but under your breath you said, over my dead body. You just didn't tell her. So then what it means is you didn't verbalize it to her until 10 days later. Uh, that's one way to learn. Um, the, Ran, uh, the Rashi even mentioned uh, that you told someone. Uh, you spoke out. You know, you don't plan on accepting this. Uh, uh, but you didn't formally revoke it. Uh, but there is a question exactly how, how far to stretch this again. But until now, this is a shocking statement of Reb Khanina because we always said one day. Uh, let, let's actually read it again. It's a, it's about six lines down from the top. Umr Khanina has shosek aminas If you are quiet, because you really, uh, not because you agree at all, you're quiet because you want to teach her a lesson, uh, and you want to, uh, want her to realize that she shouldn't be doing this, so then you could still nullify it. Even, now, by the way, the words now are interesting. You, you nullify it now until 10 days. So what does that mean now until 10 days? So again, it could be you're nullifying it now, but you're not really vocalizing it or telling her until 10 days from now. That's uh, Again, there, there's a little bit of a dispute how to learn this, uh, but even this is uh, very shocking because, in effect, you really did nu- nullify it today. So if you nullified it today, so what's the big deal 10 days from now? So what is he saying? But the Gemara itself, we're going to let the first half try to prove that this isn't so, that you really, if you're going to revoke it, even even if you've revoked it in your heart, and even if you told someone you have to formally do it today, not like Reb Hanida. We're going to try to prove him wrong. But uh, for now, that's what he said, and we'll begin the proofs to see if we can show that he's incorrect. If I recalling properly, uh, it said that a not on this, uh, is if somebody else comes along and says something along the lines of going to, I'm going to... The way the way she said, I'm gonna do it also. So, so if there's this ten day, I'll call it a ten day fuse. Uh huh. Would that be impacted if somebody within those ten days comes along and says, "Hey, yeah, I'm, what what she said, I'm I'm in there also"? So the truth is, we said even when you revoke it, there's there was a debate. Is it that it exists and you revoke it? Or revoking it means it never happened. So even, even if you revoke it 10 days from now or now, it's still, it's still going to be that question, does it exist and then get revoked? Or does the revoking mean that it never existed? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that, that, that is a way to look at it. In other words, these 10 days, she's going around doing things. Uh, but at any rate, that's what Reb Hanina Masora said. There is a long uh, run that deals with this, of course. Uh, but let's begin the proofs to see if he's correct, that there is this 10-day fuse. I like the way, he, you know, 10 days until he, uh, e- even though until now, everybody has said that day. So, Macy Rav Kista. Kista. has a question from the following. So, uh, we said there's two things you can do with a vow. You can confirm it, or you can, uh, uh, um, you can re- uh, refute it, or you can nullify it. So, Chomer, in some ways, the laws of confirming it are stronger. Chomer beheke mebehefer, than the laws of nullifying it. And, in some ways, the laws of Hafora nullifying it are stricter than the laws of hakama. And he explains. Chomer beheke as we turn to today's page. Shastika uh, mishayemis. You can, by being quiet, you can be quiet, and that confirms it. If you say nothing that means that the vow is going to stand. But being quiet doesn't nullify it. You can't say, I was quiet because I disagreed. Kiam uh, balibo, if you're mekayim it in your heart and you confirm it, kiyom. Hefer balibo, if you nullify it in your heart, enum wufra, that won't work. uh, if you, once you confirmed it, you can't change your mind, enum yochala hafer. Hafer, once you knock it out, enum yochala kaim. you can't, Basically, you've done something to it. So, Tani, what do we see? and miskayemis. We set, see clearly over here that when you're quiet, quiet means confirmation. And we're saying that for 10 days, quiet could mean nullifying. My la bishosa Aren't we even talking about such a case when you're quiet and later on you want to say something? It doesn't matter. We seem to say quiet is quiet. Quiet is confirmation. And that disproves rechaninam. So Lumura says, no. Really, Quiet is only confirming it if you're quiet because you agree with it. So Lumorah says, yeah, but that's already mentioned. Hainu kiyem kiyem. That's, That can't be, because that's the other case. That's kiyam Balibo when you confirm it in your heart. That's being quiet because you agree. Um so Lumura answers no. Ella Maybe the uh um Uh, There's one case where you're confirming it, and there's one case where you're quiet without confirming it. And again, we mentioned that before. Sometimes you're quiet because you agree, and sometimes you're quiet because, yeah, I have to think about it. So um, now the more though, uh, this is a famous rule. Whenever we quote something, uh, we quoted it to try to prove our issue, uh, which we didn't fully prove because there's uh, more than one way to be quiet. If it's talking about where you're quiet uh, to confirm it, or quiet because you're not sure, so we said that uh, that that only confirms that you can't nullify it. But if you're quiet because you know that second that you want to nullify it, and you've nullified it in your heart, so that's Reb din, and we haven't been able to prove from here that he's wrong. Fine. But we quoted this halach, and now we need to explain it. Ashachan Chomer Behekeme Behefer. We explained... In what way hakama is stricter than nullifying? In what way is haphor stricter than hakamah? So I'm going to read in the following. Uh, you can uh, remove your confirmation and you can't remove your nullification. Meaning that if you confirmed the wife's vow, if you said yes, you could be another, And then you say, wait a second. You can go to court and say, I regret that I said yes. Now, you got to do that within 24 hours of the same day. But uh, let's say you said no, and then you say, I regret that I said no. It's too late. The vow's gone. Uh, so that, that's, that's, that's one way in which it's different. Okay, fine. Mesev Rev So again, now we're going back to the Tashmas. Again, we're trying to knock down Rav idea that you, you can have a 10-day quiet and still nullify. Mesev Rev Vim Hekwish Yekwish if the husband will be surely quiet. Um, And uh, so uh, then it it says that the vow stands. So what is that talking about? What kind of quiet? Today we would say, look at the body language. In other words, a person is quiet, whether he agrees or disagrees or is unsure. Some people, you know, you can tell by how they look. Some people you can't tell, but there is... uh, uh, But at any rate, so is this case of being quiet because he wants even it includes even if he wants to knock it down, a osho is that the case, o au, or maybe it's only bisshosa Kamanasam it's only you're quiet when you agree, kehu o ki hekriish lo, and when it mentions you're quiet cause you agree, hi bisshosaima cause that's the other verse, mindm im herishyakkriish law uh what about this pus chufda. There's more than one verse that mentions quiet. So we're saying that if you only had one quiet, we would have said quiet is confirming. But since the Torah mentions it more than once, it means even if you're quiet because you disagree, if you don't say something, it's going to be con- confirmation. Uh, if you really disagree, you've got to speak up. There's a famous uh, story that Paro, when he wanted to harm the Jewish people, had advisors and... Um, uh, one of those advisors uh, was Yisro, and one was Yiv. It's not clear? Does he mean the actual one, or they were those personalities? So it said that Yisro said, how could you do that to the Jewish people after what Yosef did, and this and that, and you couldn't disagree with the Pharaohs, so Yisro had to run away. And Yisro was famous for that. He, he spoke up, and he had to run away. Uh, Yiv figured he's not going to listen to me anyway. He was there, and he was quiet. And, uh, he, he got the consequences of being quiet, uh, the, uh, but there's, uh, there's different reasons, uh, for being quiet. So once you have more than one verse, the second one must include quiet when you, uh, even when you disagree, because, um, and even when you disagree, we're seeing from the Torah, the fact that there's more than one Pesach for quiet, that it must include that kind of quiet. So, um. That Therefore, this is what we call chufta. This seems to prove Rilchanin HaMasovah is wrong. The Torah is telling us quiet is quiet. Quiet means you agree. And by the way, it means even if you disagree, if you're not motivated enough to say something, then that is agreement. You have to say, well, if you really disagreed, it should have at least, you know, you have to say something. I, the Morris, says, well, why don't we say ha'ibhishosa nasa kayim? Why don't we say that's only when you're quiet because you agree. Uh, and the, well, there's, there's three cases of quiet. So why don't we learn those two verses are talking about the other two. First case of quiet is quiet where you agree, then the vow stands. The second case is quiet where you're not sure and you don't, you don't, change your, you don't speak up with it by the end of the day. That also is confirming. But this, this is the third case where you knew right away you didn't agree. So the more answered cry you say, Rixi, there's actually three quiets. <laughs> there's plenty of quiets. So since there's multiple verses, we definitely have a source to say that anytime time the husband is totally quiet, uh, that day the vow is going to stand. Even if, uh, when he's thinking, when he, he-, he hears this over my dead body. Um, sometimes if you really didn't speak it out, that you disagree, even if you verbally were against it, you change your mind after time. Sometimes there's that initial reaction. When you verbalize something, then you're stuck because you've gone on the record. So it could be that, again, that Khanina said that you can be quiet and speak up later. And uh, he, we're saying here you have multiple verses in the Torah that tells you quiet means confirmation. Fine, moving on. Another proof. So this is an interesting gemara. Sometimes the gemara stops with one proof and then it keeps on going. Why are we keeping on going? So let's look at uh, the ran over here, Mesiv um, Rava. That's the uh, last skinny-lined ran on the left side. Mesiv Rava, Nidra Im Chashecha. Zimna. What do you mean? Why is the gemara continuing? We're done. We proved it. Reuchanina is wrong. We just said there are multiple verses that show that even quiet when you disagree is considered agreement because it's got to at least come to a level where you speak up. So he's already intusive. He's already slugged up, as they say in, in Gemara language. Uh, Shlugged up is like knocked out <laughs> on the ballpark. That's the Yeshiva Bochum loved to say that. You're <laughs> slugged up. <laughs> yeah, that's the, uh, that's the term. So he's uh, so, zimna. So the Gemara answered, Musivna lehasu. The Gomorrah keeps wants to pile up over here. We need more than one proof. Why? In the If somehow somebody answers up the previous question, Achati Havi Let's bring more than one. So some people would say, Nidoram is hard to prove because the language in Nidoram is sometimes a little different. Sometimes the Gemara will say Chufte twice. It'll say Chufte Chufte, like, or it'll use a very strong expression. This expression was not so strong. So maybe it means, you know, maybe you'll come up with an answer. So let's bring more answers, because in case somebody knocks one down, we'll have more than one. Okay, back to the mark. And again, that we had this much earlier, that the masives in uh, Nidorim are sometimes like tashmaz. That That's what it, that's what it is, masive rava. So again, we're trying to pile on Rebchanina, his suggestion that you could be quiet for 10 days and still be able to reject the vow. Uh, as long as you are quiet, because you want to reject it, because you're teasing her, as as we said. Mesev Ravi has a question. Nedrim Chashka. We said if you if she made the vow right before dark, Mefer Lo achilo Chashka. So you better hurry up and nullify it before dark. Sheim Lo Hayfer, because if you don't, the Chashka and it gets dark, it's too late. Enu Yochal Amai, why would it be too late? Havi Keshosak make it According to this. You're, you could really do, you can, uh, you can uh, have up to 10 days. Why, why is it, why do we make this statement? If she makes the vow right before dark, you better hurry up. Well, what do you mean you got to hurry up? Just having your mind over my dead body. I totally disagree. And uh, you get up to 10 days, you're not in a rush. So this is, this is uh, number two. This is the chufta number two. And the Gemara says, well, let's keep on going. Okay, somebody doesn't like those two. Mesa revashi Ravashi says, What happens if the husband says, I knew that there are commitments of 80 days? No one ever taught me the husband can revoke it. No, no one ever told me that. Um, anybody tell you that, by the way, that you can, you know, if your wife promises something, you can uh, you have a vote? They, they don't always tell you that, right? So, yafir. Um, so, that if you didn't know you had the right of refusal, even though you heard it, See, normally if you hear it and you don't refuse it, you blow it. You give up your right to, re- uh, to, re- uh, to uh, revoke it. But if you didn't know that you could revoke it, so you can even revoke it later. Next case. You knew you could revoke it. But you didn't know this was considered. huh. In that last case, the guy said that he didn't know. And the day that he learns that he can, that's Biyom Shemot so this yeah. clock really clicks in, starts, it can be, everything we said applies, yeah. can be applied. That's a good point, yeah. Okay. But the question is, is it already too late? He, he'd heard about it earlier. This is, a, this is a, He's sitting in Dafyomi and he learns, oh, well, I, goodness, I can revoke a vow. I'm going home right now. Let me tell her. Uh-huh. You know, forget that uh, timeshare. Forget that uh, the idea about no bathing or whatever it was or, or the fasting or no uh-huh. wine, whatever. I can revoke it. But you're right. The clock will start ticking when that happens. <laughs> okay. So, um, is Zeneder, what about Eino Yudayashi? He knew that you could revoke, but he didn't realize this was a commitment. Now, this, by the way, is the problem with Olnadori, meaning we all think that we're all squeaky clean because we never swore. Because we, we don't use the word, I swear. But guess what? There are certain times where all you have to do is say something and it's considered swearing. Uh, you can say something in a certain way and it's an oath. Uh, basically, words are commitments. If you give your word, we consider. And it, and sometimes uh, there's a view that if you say something twice, it's considered an oath. Uh, there's a view if you you know if you emphasize it a certain way, if it's a mitzvah, it's not so simple. We always like to pat ourselves on the back because the truth is we very rarely use the words "I swear" that we get ourselves into trouble. But sometimes we do get ourselves into trouble even because you don't have to actually say the word "I swear." You can make a commitment. So let's say he didn't realize that she swore. So Reb Meir says, it's too late. Why is it ever too late? Because make it. Let it just be. Like he, he was quiet because he, 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 uh, he really rejected it right away. So this is proof number three. So pretty much Reb Masora, at least in our Gemara, bites the dust. Meaning we got three proofs that uh we don't seem to agree to that that quiet you can be quiet and disagree up till 10 days you can be quiet that day and have till the end of the day to disagree but his idea that you could be quiet and still disagree 10 days later that seems to be not uh we had these three sources that seem to uh to prove that okay yeah before we start further you go back up a little higher. You see where they have that quote about a little higher than the middle of the page mm-hmm. where it starts, like Masarav Kahana? Yes. I didn't understand that little piece over there. Could so, yeah. Okay. That pasach, we didn't quote the whole pasach. That pasach says, if the husband will surely be quiet, uh, then the vow stands. So we're saying that there's quiet could mean that the vow doesn't stand. That's Rib din, that you could be quiet and nullify it. So that's a contradiction. So uh the so the Gomorrah's answer was it's not talking about a case where you were quiet because you rejected it. If you were quiet, um, so the Gomorrah said, maybe it's talking about quiet Amasa, make it a custom So the Gomorrah says, No, atta omar, do you say but make it? Maybe it's talking about the other kind of quiet. But the answer is, you're right. If we only had one verse that said quiet is confirmation, so we'd be stuck. Maybe it's only when you're quiet to confirm it. But what about when you're quiet because you totally disagree, but you want to wait till she calms down, or whatever the reason is. So that's why the answer is, ultimately we have multiple verses to include multiple kinds of quiet. And so Rechanina uh, ben uh, Masora uh, said... uh, how you pronounce Rev. Hanina? Uh, Rev. Hanina said that uh, that uh, even uh, there's a type of quiet that you can still uh, revoke it later. So, from the fact that you have multiple verses, it must come to include even that kind of quiet, and you can't revoke it. Okay. okay. All right. Thanks. Okay. Moving along. New Mishnah. The following. Now, we, again, we're learning all the details of things that we touched on earlier, but maybe didn't go into so much. So um, we say that husbands have this right to nullify and fathers have this right to nullify. The question is, what kind of things can they nullify? Um, what if it has nothing to do with them? The assumption was that if it has to do with the husband, so he has to agree because uh, she bought the timeshare, he's paying for it, right? Or if she's uh, uh, not going to have wine, so he's, that means that she's not going to cook with wine or no more grapes or whatever. Uh, so he's got to agree to that. So we understand that, but what if it had nothing to do with him? So then uh, maybe he has no rights to nullify. So that's what we're going to learn certain caveats to the type of vows that he's allowed to nullify. These are the vows that he can nullify. Dvorim shieshbem iner nephesh. Things that she afflicts herself with. Um, Let's see the Ran. The Rashi, I'm sorry, the Torah actually gives that example. It says that the husband can nullify things that she afflicts herself with. Um, We, uh, it's what do you call that, a masochist or something? Or the um, we, it's not as popular as it once was. Um, You used to have people that would like fast, take on themselves to do something to hurt themselves. uh, you still find it today when people feel guilty. So when they feel guilty, sometimes they'll do something they don't, because uh, they want to hurt themselves. You know, there is that. So a husband can, uh, can knock that down. That's his job, to not let the wife hurt herself. Okay. So, uh, and he brings some examples. E If I will bathe, um, if I won't bathe. If I'll, if I'll use the perfumes and the jewelries, if I'm uh, all those are, clu- are called afflicting oneself. If you don't bathe, it's interesting. Lemora is assuming that this is afflicting themselves, not afflicting the husband. <laughs> that's, you know, she. if you want to live with uh, not bathing, that's, you know, if you want to live without, uh, people are not going to be complimentary if you walk by. They say, what is that smell, you know, or what is the, you know, so she's afflicting herself. Uh, we're saying the husband has right, so that's view number one, that those are examples of inu i As we turn the page. Omer um, really? Aviosi. Uh-huh. What's afflictive, if that's the right word, about the affirmative? If I wash, if I wear perfume or you know jewelry? like oh, it's. I think that's just the trigger. In other words, if I do wash, then it'll be forbidden. Or if I don't wash, it's forbidden to me. It's just a question of the, of the way the vow was worded. But e- either way, it means that I won't wash. It's not saying that if I do wash, um, that's the affliction. It's saying if I do wash, something will be forbidden. Stein, yeah. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that with, with these and in others throughout the Masakta, when these the dharma being made, they're very open-ended. We really didn't see... I will not wash for the next week, or I will not wash for the next three days. It's just mm-hmm. I will not wash. So the assumption is forever. Mm-hmm. And, and back in those times, as you alluded to before, you know, people took on things because they were for piety reasons, for getting close to Hashem, reasons like becoming a nazar. The mm-hmm. person would do that because they wanted to become more spiritual. Mm-hmm. So, what is the dividing line? You know, this is you know anti uh, the man wife relationship, and mm-hmm. wife just to be more spiritual. It's really, two questions that I just asked you, but uh, right. So, more going to get into that when it that maybe this affects him the fact that she's not bathing, it's not just about her. Um, there was a whole sect of Judaism, I think, called the Essence, where they were really into the uh, um, uh, torturing themselves, you know, you know, fasting and living separate and uh, uh afflicting themselves uh there were non-jewish groups that uh, also affliction that they had religion through affliction the flagellants uh they used to whip each other you know with, uh um i don't i don't uh can't say i, I get it uh but uh i think uh people uh, when they feel pain they call out to Hashem, but why would they cause themselves the pain? That I don't know. But uh, I'm just saying there are different reasons for why people do it. The first question, though, about the timeline—I don't—I just believe that it's—it's—it's a—it um, is correct. We haven't really gotten into—is does it matter how long or or they—they uh, they do seem to be open-ended uh, so far. Although being a nazar was not forever. Uh, there's there the, the average nazar was was for a certain amount of time, or you know that was. Um, but okay, so Omer Evyosi, uh, again, the Mara is going to develop this a little bit. He says, No, that's not enough Nefesh. Hey, you know what Eno Nefesh is? Omer, come with Olam um, a lie. If she says that it'll be forbidden to me to ever eat fruit again. And by the way, fruit means anything that grows, that would include wheat, barley, you know, she's going to live off mushrooms or whatever. Hareze Yochalahafar, you could nullify that. Paris Medina Zoo, what if she says, and I'm not eating this American junk anymore? So uh, that that you can't nullify. You have Medina Harris, so get her from. Uh, um, I I wonder what percentage, but a huge percentage of what we eat actually comes from other countries. You know the uh, the produce. Um, there's part of a movement to grow local because they notice that it's like the all this stuff is like flown and trucked and it causes all the uh, environment. Uh, but uh, so the fact that she won't eat local fruits, though, that's uh, no problem. You'll just get from another place. I'm never stepping foot in that store again. Boy, have we all heard that. So for that, you can't say that that's affliction. All right, go to a different store. But what if that's the only place where you can get from? So then you could nullify it because that affects you. That's the only store in town. Uh, who's, what does it mean, Mimenu? Um, well, let's look at the rod. This storekeeper gives you credit. Another store won't give you credit. So if, if she says, I'm never stepping foot what am I supposed to do? That's the store that uh, I'm able to, uh, to get my work done. Believe it or not, sometimes people don't have the money. Uh, and we're going to go hungry because there's no other store that has such uh It used to be, it's, it might still be in certain places that stores uh, give credit and you write them down and stuff is more expensive there, but the people shop there because they know they can just always get things there and worry about it later. And the these people, like some people over the years, get these huge uh, you know bills that run up a tab. tab. But uh, I, again, I have to see if it's still going on. I, I remember you know growing up that it was still like that that you had these you know Jewish stores where you would just put it on my account, you know, and uh, um, and you shop there because you knew you could you could do business like that. Um, then you would, they, they would have these sadikim who would know if somebody was very poor, they would pay off other people's bills. You know, you had that going on, too. <laughs> you don't see that so much here in Atlanta or in other places, though. like that at least as far as I've seen. But it was very common in the day in the, in the, in the stores, and I, it still may be in certain places in New York and other places. But anyways, so if she vows that I'm not shop step, and foot in that store anymore, it's forbidden to me. So if there's other stores, then it's not in Enoi but even though it might be a pain. But if there's no other stores, as the Ran says, that is a pain. Because if you don't have money, you can't go anywhere else. Hilchok Yefer. Okay. Um, let's keep on reading in the Ran. Mestavadur of Yosinami Benedra in Paris Medina dorobo. That if she swears that I'm not eating fruits in this country... You could do it. Because what's the difference if, uh, if it's a real hassle, just like she's saying, I won't go to this store and there's no other stores that give credit. If she says, I won't eat the fruit of this country, that's not talking about where she said, I won't eat these fruits. I won't eat Spanish fruits. I won't eat those fruits. Okay, back to the Gemara. Um, uh, so let's see the Gemara. Uh, nedre ine de we, we finished the Mishnah, right? Did we yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Nedri. We, ine... we didn't say Yossi. Uh, oh, Divir ebiosi. okay. That's the Let's read the last words of the Mishnah again. <laughs> Perus Medina lie, if the wife vowed no more fruits from this country, so you can't nullify it because... It's not a total affliction, Ya Harris you can get from a different country. Peris Kbani zuai. if you swear that these fruits i have never stepping foot in that store, uh, you can't nullify that because you can go to another store. But the Imlo Haiisa parnasa elmi menu, but if that's the only store where, as the round learned, they'll give you credit, and other stores won't, so you could nullify it Tiver because it could turn into affliction. So, let's see the Gemara. Nidra ine nefesh. Uh, mefer. Do you mean to tell me that that's the only type you can nullify? She'en nefesh if there's no affliction in your mefer. Fahatanya. Doesn't the Torah say Things that are between the husband and the wife and the father and the daughter. Melamed shabal mefer It says that if it affects the husband, he can nullify. For example, if she says uh, the bedroom is locked, you know, the... Or no more relations, or uh, he's allowed to nullify those things. Now, even though uh, that, uh, if, even if it's something that's not considered affliction, if it affects him, let's say she wants to be a vegetarian, I'm not cooking, I'm not doing the laundry anymore, I'm not doing. If it affects him, he's allowed to nullify. So, what are you saying? The only category is affliction. What about things that affect him? Beinu lebeinah. Most of the time, it's just it, a matter of which nefesh is being afflicted. Correct. So, Lamar answered, you're right, it's both. Omri, Halen, V'Halen, both of them. Mefer, uh, he could do either way. So, then why do we mention Inu'i Nefesh? Mihu, Inu'i Nefesh, Mefer, La'olam. You can always do Inu'i Nefesh. Av'a, ain't behem Nefesh? Uh, what about if it's not Enoi Nefesh? So, k'neisset when they're married, havi ha'fara, it's nullified. M'ki, migrishle, when they get divorced, had Nidra. So, meaning like this, let's say she takes a vow, and she really means the vow 100%, so, but it affects him, so he can nullify the, the part that affects him, but if they ever get divorced, it'll, still, it'll be still in effect. He's only nullifying the part that infringed on him, uh, and that's the difference. The uh, Dvorm Shabayinu, things that affect them. Or that don't have inayn nefesh. Av yesh b nefesh. If they have inayn nefesh, lo yichal la nedra. Uh, they, the vow doesn't begin at all. So the Mara says, is that true? And she nefesh and things that don't have inayn nefesh ki migrush la. They would apply afterwards. But Tanan ro Omar He says uh, he could still nullify them because Shemi yigrushenah. If you're going to tell me, what if he gets divorced? In those days, it was more common to take back the divorcee. Um, some people hold it's almost like a mitzvah to take back the divorced wife. Um, again, I don't know why today it's much less common. Today, there's a bad habit that they go from being the closest relation in the world to being the biggest enemies in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's a real problem. It's, uh, they, uh, they, they've even had rabbis uh, lecture on it and try to give classes on it to try to stop it. It's, just, uh, it's become a plague that uh uh people that were married when they decide that it's not working they become uh they fight with each other and it kills the kids um but in the times of chazal it was and, and you would say to them don't do that what if you decide to remarry her and you get a look like ha that would that would never ever happen <laughs> they learned once that they're they took the poison once they're never going to go back that road again but uh Chazal didn't feel that way. Uh, they, sometimes a person would get divorced. And okay, they, they, they need time out, and then they'll remarry. So, Shem uh, yigrishenu, maybe they'll get divorced, and he'll want to take her back, and then the vow will apply. Vetei So, Alma, what do we see? Kim when he gets divorced, lamikara It's a total vow. So, we need to figure out what's the difference between these two classes. So, Armei Lumares says, and You're right. Both classes are annulment, total annulment. Annulment is, the like, Gemara wanted to say that one kind of annulment is only when they're married, uh, but if they get divorced, the annulment wouldn't be in effect. Whereas this is an elo, which means we're going back on that. Annulment is, annulment means the vows not here anymore. But what is the difference between the two categories? El nidri bein bein if it's ino nefesh, you can nullify it, whether it affects you or whether it affects other people. Ain behem inu'y nefesh, if it doesn't, if it's not afflicting her, laatmo mefer, you could do it for yourself, but you couldn't do it for someone else, fa'hakitani. And that's why the Mishnah says, the So I'm assuming we're going to see examples of this. Let's see quickly if the Ron gives an example. Not, nothing, uh, Nothing quick that he gives an example of. I guess I should have my own example. I just couldn't. When I was what's something that affects somebody else and not her. That's um, inoy nefesh. Eno um, nefesh for someone else. Inoy nefesh. Um, what's well, inoy for her? But okay, we'll see if. Uh, hopefully, if we don't have more examples in the Gemara, we'll come up with our own examples. Okay, so that we said if she bays, hey, Kikomar, what's the problem? Uh, why is bathing i nefesh? Uh, Ilema. Maybe she says the omra konim peres olam She said if I bathe, it should be totally forbidden to me uh, to eat, eat uh, anything that grows again. Lamili Why do you need to nullify it? That's no problem. Just lo lo velotisra so She doesn't need to bathe. Which could then be inuy nefesh. They assuming that it's not. Um, there, there was a quote in the Middle Ages from one of the queens that she used to brag that she never washed. She never, uh, they, because they, they had other methods of oils and perfumes, and uh, there, there were, there were, there were places in society where they didn't automatically bathe. It was just not part of their daily life, uh, and so the more is, is is thinking that here that it has to be. There's a trigger if I bathe, it's forbidden. Uh, el of vaod. And if that's true, uh, why is that not afflicting? it's Maybe she will bathe, then it'll be in nefesh. So the Mara now needs to do some work on giving us definitions for what exactly is this vow over here that's afflicting herself and has to do with bathing. Okay, we'll stop here.